This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of iron ore and copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements at mine sites across Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com slash critical to find out more. China is a country known for quashing any dissent before it makes it anywhere near the media. But recently, anti-lockdown protests have been springing up all over the country and once unheard of criticism of the government is creeping onto social channels. So in today's Squish Shortcut, we look at what's fueling those demonstrations, where COVID's at in China, and what it all means for President Xi Jinping, a man who wants to be leader for life. Squid Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. I think the first time something popped up in my feed about a COVID protest in China, Claire, I thought, oh, well, that'll be that. We won't hear any more about it because that's usually the way things go when it comes to China. This has turned into something, though. Yeah, these protests definitely felt like they came out of nowhere to the rest of the world. Uh, Though obviously they've been brewing in China since the start of COVID nearly three years ago. Seems a bit crazy that we're coming up to our three-year COVID anniversary. It was the 31st of December 2019 when the local health commission in Wuhan in China reported a cluster of cases of pneumonia, which turned out to be COVID. And it of course, absolutely turned the world on its axis. Uh, But how China's dealing with COVID now compared to the rest of the world is just chalk and cheese. As we know here in Australia, there's been a really big recent uptick in cases, uh, but you sure don't hear about our Prime Minister or our Premiers advocating for lockdowns uh, or really any other restrictions. But in China, they're still pursuing a COVID zero policy. So that means the population has still been dealing with these rolling lockdowns long after the rest of the world has really moved on. So what people know about this are saying is that the protests are really just an explosion of massive frustration, of anxiety, of anger that's come with endless lockdowns. Yeah, and the flashpoint was actually a building fire. Uh, Ten people died in a high-rise apartment block in the western province of Arumchi, uh, and there was a video circulating of people screaming to be let out of the building, which was in lockdown. Uh, and that's certainly what residents believe contributed to those deaths, even though authorities dispute that they were locked in and couldn't leave. So the protests started off quite localised in that city. The BBC has verified this footage, which is from the day after the fire. That's of hundreds and hundreds of residents shouting, end the COVID lockdown. They're gathered at night on the steps of a government building and you can feel the anger when you watch that. It's just really boiled over. Yeah, and in China, that's where you might expect things to have ended, uh, with an isolated protest and quickly quashed by authorities. But then over the next few days, those protests spread to Beijing and to Shanghai. An American think tank tracked 27 protests over three days in late November across 15 different regions 
citizens of China. And it takes some work to piece all this together, of course, because censors in China work overtime to pull down any videos, social media posts that might undermine the CCP. The CCP, of course, is the Communist Party. Like journalists in Iran, they aren't really allowed to do their job in China without fear of arrest. Yeah, that's right. And lots of Western media, including Australian journos, have been kicked out of the country. Uh, But censors can't work fast enough. Mm. So a lot of this dissent and vision of these protests is getting around on popular Chinese apps like Weibo and WeChat. And it's what's made this time different from the others because it's therefore really galvanised a big spread of the population. So, for example, we know students in Shanghai have been shouting, we don't want COVID tests, we want freedom. Factory workers across the other side of the country have been crying out, give me liberty or give me death. Yeah, and China's law enforcement and authorities have been issuing stern warnings calling for a crackdown against hostile forces. Uh, And definitely last week it became pretty clear clear they meant it. Uh, There were videos showing a big police presence in the mega city of Shanghai, uh, which saw some of the biggest protests, uh, checking the smartphones of subway passengers just to see what they've been up to. Hard to imagine, just like Iran, as we referred to earlier, we know the threat of jail for even peaceful protests is very real. Let's take a look now at just what the COVID situation is in China right now. We've had plenty of experience with lockdowns here in Australia, but we haven't had one for more than a year now, touch wood. So it kind of seems like (laughs) it's all in the review mirror. China's actually had some of its harshest measures pretty recently. Yeah, so the biggest city, Shanghai, was locked down for all of April and May. Uh, It led to food shortages and terrible hardships, which have really just become the norm. Uh, Stories of people who couldn't get medical treatment for conditions like cancer uh, or pregnant women who lost their babies uh, because the lockdown is so strictly enforced. Yeah, and that's because President Xi Jinping is sticking to his hardline COVID zero policy. His warning for the entire pandemic has been that COVID is a devil virus and that only an all-out people's war is able to rid China of it. Yeah, and Xi really trumpeted a low COVID death rate in China. He says that there have only been 5,000 deaths there, although the World Health Organization actually thinks it's closer to about 30,000. Which is really, really low given when you think about the population of China being 1.4 billion people. We've really got to put those numbers in perspective. Yeah, so for perspective, Australia reported around 15,000 deaths since the start of the pandemic and obviously we're just a tiny fraction of China's population. The actual number of deaths in China is well disputed and well discussed. What we do know is the enormous toll the restrictions are taking on people and their livelihoods. The World Health Organization has long warned it's not sustainable for China to try to keep suppressing the virus in this way. And look, We know the huge debate that we've had in Australia about the cost of lockdowns on education, mental health, uh, business, the broader economy. Uh, And you can only imagine for the folks of Shanghai emerging from that two-month lockdown in early June. And then by late October, they were forced uh, to ensure mass testing and they were confined to their homes again. Uh, That was supposedly over 11 asymptomatic cases. Yeah, it seems pretty wild. We've used Shanghai as a bit of an example, but The Economist estimates cities accounting for about a quarter of everything China makes 
were locked down in early November. The flow on effects. Yeah, the numbers are just incredible. And it was more that number than the previous peak in April. Domestic flights were also down by 50% from last year and fewer than half of all cinemas are open. So it really tells you something about the state of life in China. Yeah, the Communist Party is going to extraordinary lengths to shut out the rest of the world so people in China can't see that life is kind of back to normal everywhere else somewhat. Yeah, and the Financial Times had a really good anecdote about the absurdities of some of the censorship in China. Uh, So fans watching the World Cup on the telly, the censors are cutting out all the images of the crowds in the stadium in Qatar because they don't want those pictures of screaming fans without masks having a fabulous time uh, while so many Chinese are actually still locked in their homes. It's, yeah, quite something. Nothing to see here, folks, the Communist Party would say. Next up, let's take a look at how this rare unrest in China is playing out for President Xi Jinping. Claire, we're working with BHP again on Weekly Wrap this week because they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key for our economy's shift to renewable energy. Yeah, so we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role that mining companies are playing in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as bridges and transportation, hospitals and schools, and a big part of it comes from iron ore. That iron ore mainly hails from Western Australia, and BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Western Australian iron iron ore is clear. Yeah, and by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. That's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. It was just over a month ago that President Xi was celebrating being reappointed for an historic third five-year term with no challenges in sight. He's very much seen an all-powerful ruler who had total control over China. Then along came some protests. That has a few questioning if his iron grip on the country is actually all that it seems. Yeah, it sure does. Some of the global headlines scream the humbling of Xi Jinping mm. uh, and Xi faces stiffest challenge. Uh, it's pretty clear that he hasn't read his people very well uh, in terms of what they would endure before saying enough's enough. At least those in the know, that's what they're telling mm. us. And that's the heart of it, I guess, because Xi thought the population would keep putting up with all the restrictions and hard for as long as he said so, because COVID zero was this lofty ideal which separated China from the rest of the world. Yeah, that's right. And of course, for a long time, a lot of Chinese would have gone along with this. Uh, They were being kept safe. The death Mm. rate was low. But the longer that it's gone on, uh, we know Xi's hardline stance has worn them down and their patience has grown thinner and thinner. There's been a lot of commentary, Claire, that another factor that helped trigger protests was because people were actually expecting Xi to start winding back restrictions when he secured that historic third term back in October. Yeah, the rumours were everywhere that his power, now that it was solidified, that he'd used the moment to give people more freedoms. But when he didn't do that, that kind of added to the steam and the pressure cooker. Yeah, a few of us have memories of thinking a lockdown is going to end and the crushing disappointment when it doesn't. The big question is now, how does China make a graceful exit from its COVID zero policy and get back to some sense of normalcy? Will they cave? 
Yeah, well, it looks like it's taking the first steps. So last weekend, without any fanfare, several Chinese cities uh, ease controls while COVID continues to circulate. So Shenzhen and Shanghai scrapped rules for commuters to present a PCR test. Uh, They needed to do that to travel on public transport. And some apartment complexes in Beijing told residents over the weekend that if they test positive, they can quarantine at home rather than being forced to go into a centralised quarantine facility. They still have centralised quarantine facilities, which is just such a mind warp, particularly for us. Restrictions like that being lifted mightn't seem like such a big deal for Mm. the way we've lived our lives. But for China, when it's been so strict, these things make a big difference. The pro-Xi South China Morning Post, so the newspaper there, has reported Xi has acknowledged the protests in a meeting with European leaders last week. He did apparently tell them they were driven by frustrated students. And it's a pretty big deal too, the fact that she has allowed that to be reported in the Mm. local press. So it's a definite signal to the protesters that he hears them. Xi's facing a few challenges if and when he does decide to loosen restrictions. Only around 40% of people aged 80 or older have had three COVID-19 vaccinations. That's a really low Mm. vaccination rate. So there could be a big spike in deaths if and when the country does open up. And of course, China is just at the start of winter now. So it's trying to get those vaccines rolled out. But what the alternative is, I guess, now part of the bigger question. Uh, We know new variants keep popping up and no country has been able to keep ahead of COVID. So it's a choice between mass lockdowns versus mass infections. Yeah. So the worst case scenario, which is both, that COVID keeps spreading, uh, even while there are widespread lockdowns, uh, which is kind of what's just started to happen now. Uh, There were 30,000 positive tests reported in a single day this week. Uh, So people's patience is really being tested. And it's why a lot of China watchers are calling the next few months the biggest test of Xi's leadership since he came to power in 2012. Of course, we will keep you up to date with the latest developments in China in the Squeeze Today podcast. That's your shortcut to China's COVID protests. On to our recommendations. Each week, Claire, we give people a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. For me this week, uh, a read from the BBC. The BBC have been running this story hard. As I said, if the BBC verifies something, it means that it's likely that that is the case of what's happening in China. So they're a good source to read. They've got a read on why China's having so much trouble getting its older population vaccinated. And I've got a podcast that's really been doing quite well in the charts. It's called The Prince. Uh, It's by The Economist. It's about Xi Jinping. It's a really interesting listen about his whole background and how he came to power and why he exercises power the way he does. We've got um, a squeeze shortcut on Xi Jinping too, which Mm. you can check out if you want an abbreviated version of that podcast (laughs) series. But let's recommend others. Why not? (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. We've only got a couple left to the end of the year. If you have a request... This one certainly was requested. Send us an email to hello at thesqueeze.com.au. Until next week.